0: Hi, I'm Josh Van Burkle. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. My job this morning is to just kind of sum up the series that we've been on. We've been doing a series on the armor of God, which we kicked into about six weeks ago. Uh, who can remember the pieces so far? Come on, we've got the belt of truth. Good job. What's next? Uh, we got the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We all sound a little bit cultish now. What about, we had the shield of faith, we had the helmet of beautiful, and then this morning we're finishing it off with the sword of the, ah, spirit, good job. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to read through this passage again And I just want to highlight a couple of things that I've found uh, really interesting. Um, So we're going to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Read through it again. Uh, One of the things that I've been really challenged on since starting the Bible reading and, and just doing a little bit more research into reading the Bible and how different cultures do it is to have more respect and honor for reading the Bible. Like, it's not just like any other book. Like, the Bible literally... Is God breathed. It says that in 2 Timothy. All scripture is God breathed. In Hebrews, it says that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It can separate, you know, bones and marrow, joints and flesh. And so when we put a scripture up on the screen, it's not like we're just reviewing a textbook from algebra. It's not like, hey, let's look at what page 72 of Physics 101 says. <laughs> like this is the God breathed word and so one of the things I would love to see happen you know in my life in the life of my family and in the life of Activate is a healthy awe for the word of God that when it comes up on screen we're like whoa look at it God wrote that through the hands of men that's pretty wild the creator of the universe inspired a man he said this is what I want you to write and he wrote it down thousands of years ago and here it is on a projector right? On a PowerPoint. I bet you Paul never thought that was going to happen, right? One day they'll take these words, they'll have this technology, they'll shine lights and it'll be all red and white and it's trippy. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Here's one of the things that I really kind of took out of this passage. It was just a renewed understanding and a reminder that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right? Your struggle is not against your family member. Your struggle is not against your workmate. Your struggle is not against that person at school. Your struggle is not against that rude customer. Your struggle is not against... The guy that cuts you off in traffic? Should I? Yeah, I'll do it. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I told told the staff a story yesterday, and they're like, don't see that in church. I'm going to do it. So the other day, speaking of battle not against flesh and blood, I had what I would call a slightly lower than pastor experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was driving literally into a pastor's meeting uh, where all the other pastors in town were, who are much better behaved than I am, were meeting, and this guy was being a jerk on the road, and he was driving far too slow. I was in a 100k zone, he was doing 70. You work out the math, that's 30k too slow, right? And he was in a flash car, I don't know much about cars, but it was clean, so it must have been a flash car, and it was like shining, and after a while, this is ridiculous. And so I pulled out to pass him. And as soon as I got near him, he just floored it. And I heard his engine go, and he just took off. And I thought, oh, man. Like, I know I was not in the best mood at the time. And so I pulled him behind him, and I went, honk. And then in, in, he could see me in his mirror. I went, which is the universal, dude, what are you, what are you doing, right? And I saw him look up, and then, I won't do the action, but you guys know what the fingers looks like. in his car, he just goes, Now. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. In that moment, what do you think your spiritual leader did? I thought, well, I've got two hands. So... So, and they 're already up there it 's this from here to here is not it, it happened before I even thought about it, right, so this guy got two fingers back at him, and they were in separate hands and uh and then we kept driving because we were in the country road. I was stuck behind him for another 10 minutes, and he would slow down to like fifty and then speed up and then slow down and oh like what the and I just thought, man, if he shows up in church on Sunday, I am in trouble. Right? Because <laughs> he, he knows what this looks like. So I understand how hard it is sometimes to not engage with flesh and blood. But that's, they are not the battle. Right? And I share that story because there's a part of me that's a little bit proud of it. Um, not really. It's it's important for you to understand that nobody's perfect, and I try and set that example as much as I can. Yeah, you guys know. Um, I got home and I told Liz, my wife, about it, and she said to me, "I'm not angry, but I am disappointed." <laughs> what the heck? I had to shove my hands in my pockets to make sure I didn't make the same mistake. Um, Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? This is what happens when I don't prepare beforehand. Um, Our battle is not against flesh and blood. If you're having a problem with someone, go over to them, pinch them. If they say, ow, they're not the problem. Right? They are not the problem. Remind yourself, our battle is not against flesh and blood. But it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My first kind of takeaway was that our battle is not against flesh and blood. But the second takeaway is that we are in a battle. When Paul makes it very clear, he lists a number of things. Authorities, rulers, powers, spiritual forces of evil there's a lot going on there and so my second takeaway is that the vast majority of christians are i would say on the whole fairly spiritually ignorant on the whole we're aware of it yes we know about the god there's god and there's the devil and there's angels and demons and and but that's pretty much it but that's not the way that Paul operated. It's not the way the early church operated. It's not the way so many of my, my Christian heroes operate. I know so many Christians that are mature Christians. They have walked the walk and talked the talk. They've been in ministry for decades, and they understand this kind of stuff. Uh, and the thing is that you've all heard the saying, ignorance is bliss. That is not true when it comes to war. It is not blissful to be in a war zone and ignorant of the fact that you're in a war zone. doesn't really change anything. Right, Watchman Nee makes this comment. He says, to remove warfare from a spiritual life is to render it unspiritual. It's a pretty big statement, right? I love it. I've heard people say before, we're not natural beings having a supernatural experience. We are supernatural beings having a natural experience, or spiritual beings maybe would be a better way of saying it having a natural experience. But for the most part, most of us, if we were all honest, we got together in groups and we said, well, you know, what's your level of experience with spiritual warfare? How aware are you of what's happening around you spiritually? Most of us would go, look, pretty, pretty unaware. And so another takeaway from this passage is I need to, as I suggest most of us probably do, need to build some awareness of this. Get some books, man. Do some reading. Talk to people that are maybe a little bit more experienced and go, hey, look, how do I build an awareness of this? Um, Because it's super, super important. At any given point in time, there are different influences trying to govern your thought life. You will have a thought that pops into your head, and that's you. That's brilliant. I think of stuff all the time. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's terrible. Flipping the bird to another guy, not a good thought right? I'm not going to try and blame that on anything else. That was me. I was having a bad day. It was my flesh, my issue. I'm not going to try and pin that on some negative spiritual force. That was just me, right? Take ownership for that. It wasn't my proudest moment. But then there are other times when the enemy will sow a seed of thought. And He will throw, as Paul talks about soon, an arrow your way. And the devil's very clever. He uses... Uh, he doesn't refer to himself, he doesn't be like, you know, hey Dan, it's the devil here, got a suggestion for you, thinking that maybe you should just get a little bit depressed because work's not going so well. Just looking at it from the outside in, think that maybe, you know, you should reevaluate. The devil's not like that. He just says things like, oh man, my work's not working well. And he just pops it into your head. And because he uses personal pronouns, like I or me or we, we just go, oh, that's me. I thought that. You stand in front of the mirror, I'm ugly. That's, that's not you. Right, that's the enemy who just says, I'm ugly, and just drops it into your head. And because we're so unaware of this spiritual world that we live in, we're powerless against it. Uh, and then, of course, the third person that can insert thoughts into you is, is God. And he'll drop things into it like you're beautiful. You know, you're fantastic. I love you. I'll never leave you. All that kind of stuff. So second takeaway for you to mull over is that we need to be aware of the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. Right, now let's jump forward. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, I mentioned this last time, but another takeaway is that we put on the full armor of who? God, right? Nathan doesn't put on the armor of Nathan. Ioane doesn't put on the armor of Ioane. We put on God's armor. It's his breastplate. It's his belt. It's his helmet. It's his sandals. It's because of what God's done for us. What's fascinating, right, is that there are four pieces of armor that once they're fitted, they are fitted in place and that's it. Breastplate, helmet, shoes, belt. Once they're in, you got them on, you don't have to worry about it. There are two pieces of armor that we do have to move around that we work in partnership with God on. And one of those Dan talked about a couple of weeks ago is the shield of faith. You have to pick that up. You gotta move that around. If arrows are coming at you high, boom, high, low got to move that around. So there's a partnership that happens between us and God when it comes to faith. It's still God's shield. The fact that we have faith is still a gift from God, but we need to partner with him. You know, physical obedience brings spiritual release, one of my favorite sayings. Sometimes faith looks like something, like Dan talked about, taking your shoes off. Went through that. She's on this morning though. I see. (laughs) And then the other piece, which we'll talk about in just a moment, is the sword. So stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Good, locked in. Breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Here's another takeaway for you. Uh, When you read your Bible, read with curiosity. Read it with curiosity. Read it and go, whatever I read this morning, I'm not going to stop reading until I've got four or five questions. I heard someone say once, that anytime you read something that you don't understand, which is like every day, right, it is an invitation from the Holy Spirit to dig deeper. How often do we read through our Bible, whatever it might be, Romans, Ephesians, Genesis, and we just read through it, and at the end of it, we're like, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that I didn't really understand. And that's still better than not reading your Bible at all. Like, that's still better than not reading it at all. Jared talked last week about how, you know, when you read it, you know, your brain can, you know, they've proven scientifically that none of us ever forget anything. Every single thing that you have ever experienced is logged in there. It's not like your brain deletes it when it runs out of space. It moves things from short-term memory to long-term memory. Recall is the problem, right? But there are things that if you have the right techniques, some of them are kosher, some of them are not kosher, But you can go into memories that you haven't accessed for decades, right, from when you were a kid, and it's in there. And so when you read your Bible, it goes in there. And then when it's in there, in years to come, the Holy Spirit can just tap on that, bang, that thing pops out. It's happened to me so many times. A verse will pop into my head that I haven't thought of for years. But what the Spirit can't do is get you to remember something that you never read in the first place. So reading is still better than not reading, but reading with curiosity is fantastic. The number of times that I read my Bible and I'll go, you know what, to be honest, Josh, I didn't understand any of that. And so I'll stop and I'll go, I'm not going to move on until I have some understanding here. We have this beautiful thing now called Google, which is fantastic. Back in the old days, right, you had to spend thousands of dollars on concordances and dictionaries and books and studies and commentaries. If you didn't understand it, you were kind of just stuck. Whereas now, you can literally go, what does Exodus one twelve mean? Just type it in, and there's all the stuff, different people, some of it's rubbish, but there's a lot of good stuff on there. So when I read this, I asked the question, why are the arrows on fire? When you read, read with curiosity. Don't just read flaming arrows and then carry on. Why are the arrows on fire? Why didn't Paul write all the arrows? Why did he take the time to say they're on fire. It would be so easy to just skip over that and carry on reading. So what did I do? I thought, well, I need to Google why they lit arrows on fire. Because that was a thing, right? Who's seen Gladiator or any of those movies? They light the arrows on fire. And so I read about it and they say, look, the flaming arrows are a pain in the neck. Most of the time the fire goes out while it's in the air. It, it, it really negatively impacts the trajectory of the arrows. So it's almost impossible to hit someone with a flaming arrow because the stuff that you have on the front and the fire, it just affects the aerodynamics of it. And I said the reason that they would shoot flaming arrows is not necessarily to hit the person they're aiming at, but to set a fire in the vicinity. And then the person would get so distracted trying to put the fire out that they, you can't fight two things at once. So one of the things that the the enemy does is he fires stuff at us, but he also fires stuff all around us. To what? To distract us. To get us fighting battles over here, battles over there. That's a really important thing to recognize, and it's all hidden in that one word, flaming arrows. So when you read your Bible, read with curiosity. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. This is interesting to me because it's called the armor of... God, but the sword of the Spirit. It's like God says, hey, this, this, bit, this bit doesn't belong to me. This bit belongs to the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That word, word, in the Greek, it's very often interpreted as either logos, which means the written word of God, or rima. Who's heard of radio rima, right? Now you go, ah, Learn something in church every day. Rima is the spoken word of God. This word is translated from the word rima. So it's not actually talking about scripture per se. It's talking about the actual audible voice of God, like the, the word of God that comes out of his mouth. So it's not always practical and possible for you to be in the middle of a spiritual battle. Maybe it looks like you're dealing with someone Maybe it's wrapped up in flesh and blood, but that's not who the battle is against. Maybe you're driving behind someone who's being a plonker and you feel like my battle is against him, but it's not. It's just the enemy understands that you've had a terrible day, that you're susceptible to a little bit of frustration right now. For whatever reason, he's just asked this guy to drive like an inconsiderate whatever. In that moment, it's not always applicable to just go, well, what does the Bible say right now? I'll just open my Bible and ah, right? Like that wouldn't work when you're driving down that me crashing, when you're driving down the motorway. What the word is talking about here is the, the spoken word of God, like the remit word of God. And so in that moment, it's God saying, dude, chill out. This is not worth getting stressed about. Remember, the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. It's that spoken word of God. Now, if you're someone that struggles or feels like you struggle to hear you know, the voice of God, then reading your Bible is by far the single best thing you can do. Because every word that's written in the Bible is inspired by the voice of God. I gave uh, Dan and Amanda a card yesterday. We had the staff around and we were just doing a little bit of praying and Steve as well, eldership, planning for next year. And at the end, we gave them a card to say thank you. And I had written, you know, something in the card. And Amanda said to me, I can hear your voice. Remember that? I can hear your voice in the card. Because I write like I talk. And I talk like I write. Right? And uh, when you read a card from someone that you know well, you hear their voice, right? I'm reading a book at the moment by Francis Chan. I've listened to a lot of Francis Chan. So when I read his book, I hear, I hear Francis Chan talking. And the Bible is like that. The more you read the Bible, the more you become familiar with the way that God talks, with the voice. I heard somebody say once, if you want to hear the voice of God, read your Bible. If you want to hear the audible voice of God, read your Bible out loud. Right, so good. So it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So that Word of God is that of voice of God. It's, it's God, when you're saying, ah oh, man, I'm struggling in this area, it's that voice that comes and says, hey, here's how you deal with it. Now, just to wrap up, I'll get the bandage up up on stage. But I want to have a quick look at that word sword, because the temptation is to picture a huge sword. You know, you see a drawing of these guys. They've got breastplates on. They've got their shield, and they've got this huge sword, and it's kind of glowing. That's not the sword that Paul's talking about. Uh, If you look at the Greek word for this particular sword, which I did, and then I did a bit of a study on it, looked at some medieval sites, and it is it is more akin to a dagger. It would traditionally be between sort of nine and eighteen inches long. It would be strapped to the belt. It's not this traditional three-foot-long broadsword that we kind of think about. It's this little dagger. And one of the main reasons that they use it's the same sword that in the Bible it talks about Peter cutting a guy's ear off. I don't know if you've ever, like, I've read that, and I've thought, how, how do you pull out, like a like, a huge sword and swing it and just cut a guy's ear off? Like, how does, you know... But it wasn't. It was this sort of nine-inch, foot-long dagger. He would have just gone, phew, phew, and just lopped it off. Uh, in fact, I found an instance where Homer, the philosopher, not the Simpsons character, uh, had referred to the same sword as a kitchen knife in his early writings. And the, the main function, or one of the main functions, as I understand it from the research that I did, of this sword is that they would use it to dig out arrowheads. So here's the question for you this morning. What happens when an arrow gets through? When you've got your shield up or not up because you're feeling unenthusiastic about things or I don't know if you've ever felt like this, like, oh, I just don't have the faith for this right now. I just I can't even get my hand up and there's a gap, maybe your breastplate has slipped down a little bit, you're feeling not that flash about something, and one of those fiery arrows, it gets through. What happens then? Breastplate's no good once the arrow's through it. You can't wave your shield around after you've been hit and be like, doesn't count. Belt, shoes, helmet, none of that stuff helps once the arrow's in. That's where the sword of the Spirit comes along, because what this little dagger would do is they would they would use it to dig that arrowhead out. Sounds a little bit painful, right? So in a practical sense, this is what it looks like. It looks like you're getting up in the morning, and, and, and maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe your breastplate of righteousness is a little bit sloppy. Maybe you don't have the energy to hold that shield of faith up, and maybe something happens, and and you say something to yourself like, you know what, I am not, I'm not a good person, or I'm a bad mum, or I'm failing as a husband, or whatever it might be. What is it? That? That's an arrow that's, it's got through your defenses somehow, and it's, it's, it's hit you. You take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you dig it in, and you say, no. Now, the, the Bible says that I am loved by God, the Bible says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, right? The Bible says this, the Bible says that, the Word of God says this, you know, God speaks to you in that moment and you use that word, that sword to dig that arrow out so that it can't infect you, it can't fester, it can't do any long-term damage. Does that make sense? So we've got the shield of faith, we've got the sword of the Spirit, we've got the breastplate of righteousness, we have the sh- feet of thing fitted with the redness of the gospel belt of truth we're good to go in theory but one thing i would say and i'll finish with this and uh we'll sing a song you guys want to sing a song what song do you want to sing we always we just choose for you you just have to sing it that's not very fair hey do you want to sing Waymaker again do you want to sing um no one but you which isn't even on the list Throw that at them? Waymaker, you reckon? Okay, we'll do Waymaker again. Yes, you can.
1: Um, so, just speaking of the spirit, sword of the spirit, I had this image a week ago actually when Ian Wright was here. And I was like, oh, why does this keep image keep popping up in my head? And then obviously after the sermon, I was like, okay, I'm going to share this. So a couple of weeks ago, I worked at a primary school and they had this game where they had these metal tubes filled with holes. And the game was, there was a little ping pong ball and you had to fill it with water to get the ping pong ball to come out of the tube. Now these seven and eight year old kids, they were hopeless because they would plug the holes at the top and the water would pour out the bottom. I was like, you got to plug the holes at the bottom. Stop plugging the holes at the top and the water would just pour out and none of them could do the task. So as I was thinking and praying, like, God, I'm just sick of coming to church and just being obsessed with my own thoughts and my own, like, oh, and, like, when people ask me, how are you doing, like, complaining and not having anything to give and to pour out to other people, and then I just saw this picture of this tube. I was like, okay, that's weird, this game. And then it was suddenly I saw these pages of the Bible filled, filling the bottom so that I could be filled up, and I was like, oh, okay, that hit me hard. I need to be reading the Word every day, and I know this, and we all know this, but just a reminder that if you want to be out there pouring out your life for other people as well, it's just so important for us, and I'm preaching to myself that we need to just read the Word every day so that we're filled up.
0: Very good. Thanks, Kira. That's awesome. I did stand to our feet this morning, just to wrap up what I was going to say is that it's all well and good to be decked out. It's all well and good to have your armor on, but we were not made to stand alone. We were not made to fight alone. And sometimes, you know, if you can't lift your shield up because your arm is sore or the shield just feels too heavy, that's when you go to someone and you say, hey, look, can I, can I stand next door to you? And that shield, they can hold that shield in front of you for a season. Right, that's when, if you're struggling, your, your, your breastplate falls off. I don't know if you've ever tried to put something like that on by yourself. It's like awkward. Maybe you've got to go to someone and say, hey, can you help me? My strap's broken. You know, do that one back up. Maybe it could be that someone has been hit by an arrow and they can't bear the thought of digging that thing out with their own sword and they need someone to come along and just put an arm on their shoulder and say, hey, look, I'll, I'll dig that out for you. Here's a word of God for you that can, that can dig that out. Uh, in fact just as we as we close and we sing this song, I just want to give anyone an opportunity this morning if you feel that you've been hit by an arrow uh, in any capacity, in any situation, if you feel that you've got an arrow you know spiritually speaking, metaphorically speaking, if you've got an arrow that's hit you, and you need just someone to pray for you, just to release the Word of God over you, to just bring that, that short, sharp sword. It's the same word that the Bible uses to translate sword in Hebrews 4.12, where it says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It can separate bone and marrow. That's the same sword. So if you've got an arrow in you this morning, you're carrying an arrow of pressure, an arrow of anxiety, an arrow of I'm not good enough, an arrow of I'm failing, an arrow of just stress around Christmas time, you know, an arrow of broken relationship, whatever it might be, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Just release the Word of God over you and just allow that sword to separate bone and marrow, to separate that arrow out. All right, so as we sing, if that's you, just come up the front this morning as we sing.